Hi everybody, today is December 4th, 2022, and let's see here, I have been wanting to do podcasts as of recent on Christmas, and I did a couple Christmas-focused podcasts last year, and today's episode is not my Christmas episode, but it is the beginning of a Christmas episode, the way a nativity calendar. I loved those nativity calendars when I was growing up. And for those of you who don't know what a nativity calendar is, it's like a calendar that has the uh, days of the week and the days of the month on it leading up to Christmas. And there's a little door on each day that you get to peel away that door. You get to open this little door and there's either going to be a drawing or a picture or a painting or um, some kind of inspirational message, some kind of little little gift inside that door, like, a, like you're opening a present. And we're in this time of year right now uh, where... <clears throat> It it's the darkest time of the year, obviously. Uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, it's just dark out early. And I'm going to just ramble a little bit because today's podcast is the beginning of opening the little, little nativity, uh, nativity calendar doors. And so today's December 4th, and let's peel away a door. Okay. So walking up to the calendar and about to peel away a door and let's see, it's December 4th. Let me find that little door and let's see here, December 4th. Okay, I'm peeling it away. Okay, I've opened December 4th and inside it's, it's a quote and it says, My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother like a weaned child in my soul within me. And that's from Psalm 34. Once again, that quote, My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not hofty. Hofty means, it says it in the quote right after, My eyes are not hofty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. I think this is a really, really beautiful quote that seems so Christmas worthy. And it's from the Old Testament. Uh, The Psalms, this is from Psalm 131. These are the Psalms of David and a Psalm a psalm is a 
A psalm is a song of ascent. A song of ascent. So, Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem sat higher than all of its surrounding areas. So, Jerusalem sat at about 2,500 feet, and everything all around it was lower elevation. And so... People in prayer who would walk to Jerusalem were ascending up the hill to Jerusalem. And that psalm, uh, some believe that the psalms of, of David, these songs of ascent of David, of King David, were um, sang by worshipers as they walked up the hill three times a year to go pray in the city of Jerusalem. And there's something really beautiful about this, uh, the humbleness of this quote. Uh, the Christian Christmas story, the Christmas story is, is really such a story of, of humbleness, humility. <clears throat> you know, Jesus, Jesus was born... Um, Jesus was, he was the combination of, okay, here's how, here's how I'm going to say it. Um, Jesus is this. Peace is when the divine and the human come together. And this, this starts turning into a really profoundly philosophical um, it, it begins becoming very profoundly philosophical. Much of the Jesus story, I interpret it as, as the birth of East meets West. Um, this is kind of a difficult thing to explain quickly. Peace is when the divine and the human come together. So Jesus... God sent God sent himself. This is where things get sort of um, confusing to try to even paint a picture of as a storyteller. And obviously the Bible does a, a better job than I can do. So uh, pardon me for putting it into my own layman's terms. Uh, God... God was this abstract, this sort of abstracted invisibility. And things on earth began to digress and become more and more corrupted. More evil began to spread. More violence, war, pillagings, <clears throat> um, hostility, <clears throat> just evil. Deception, evil, usury, greed. Uh, evil was spreading more and more on earth. And God was this abstract, almost intangible idea. And so God sent himself. He sent God. So God sent God in the form of a human so that the people on earth could 
no longer have this abstraction and so that they could have a chance to have a something they could actually tangibly see uh, instead of God being this abstract, invisible spirit. The, the, the interesting thing about Jesus being born as a baby was that Jesus' is growing up, Jesus' first days as an infant and a toddler and a child and a, and a young teenager, uh, he was really no different than you or I. He was just a regular person, a humble, regular person born of humble means, uh, impoverished. And, you know, the story is so humble of this baby being born uh, in a stable or a manger uh, with with beasts of burden and sheep and uh, just this very, very quiet, humble you know, not the way we think of a king being born in a castle. It was quite the opposite of a very common person. And that common baby, that commoner, had to go through all of the trials and tribulations that you and I go through. No different. And so this story from Psalms, you know, we don't get the Christmas story whatsoever until... Uh, until the New Testament. And so this this is almost a foreshadow in the Psalms. And King David, <clears throat> in a lot of ways, is the foreshadow to Jesus. In the Old Testament, King David is like the foreshadow of Jesus. So peace is when the divine and the human come together. So, so Jesus was sent by God to bring peace to earth and goodwill towards men and goodwill towards humanity and and neighbors and family. So Jesus is the embodiment of when peace and the divine, uh, or, or sorry, I'm saying that wrong. Jesus is the embodiment. Peace is when the divine and the human come together. And that's what Jesus is, the divine and the human coming together. And so to read that quote from Psalms one more time, that's the nativity, the little nativity door that we open. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not hofty, which means I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. So when a, when a child, especially an infant child, is like really hungry, you know, that child is, um, I've heard of, you know, um, mothers who breastfeed, you know, the little fingernails on that child. Mothers are getting scratched. Uh, mothers are getting, you know, bitten and scratched. Because that child is really hungry, and so there's a there's a bit of a desperation in that hunger, and an agitation, and sometimes wailing and discomfort, and neediness, and all of those things make sense. That that baby needs 
to be getting nutrients nonstop in order to be growing its bones and tissue and brain and and so the weaned the weaned child is there's a stillness with that weaned child. Uh, in this quote, it says, I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child. Like a weaned child is with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. And so the the humbleness of the Christmas story is in this quote, the the. The line where it says, my eyes are not hofty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Baby Jesus is born in this humble, probably dirty manger where sheep and donkeys are housed. And he's not born in a castle or a mansion. And the whole story of Jesus is like that. It's really the story of a common man who is the bringer of peace and goodwill and a common man who is capable of miracles. Now, I want to transition from that Christmas story into the plight and despair and physical suffering. And I don't want to trivialize or diminish or make, I don't want to um, diminish everything into some um, one size fits all. I, I, I always try to steer clear of any one size fits all formulas or hacks. And I also want to use a broad sweeping brush to give an easily understandable overview of what seems to be a common suffering in many people. And we're in the darkest time of year right now in the Northern Hemisphere, which means that people are probably experiencing more pain, suffering, frustration, loneliness, isolation, uh, just partly because the nights are longer and the days are shorter. And in those long nights, there is a a little bit more cabin fever. Um, You know, people are a little bit more trapped, maybe desperate to heat their homes. Uh, It's just not as easy as it is when the Days are sunnier and brighter. And one way that it's not easier is that vitamin D begins. Vitamin D starts tapering off. And this is, I need to just talk about this in very layman's, layman's terms. Um, the very quick way I want to say this is that Vitamin D is a hormone. Vitamin D is a hormone the way testosterone is a hormone and estrogen is a hormone. And vitamin D uh, helps a person regulate their mood. It, it's an interesting hormone because it's going to give a person more energy in the day when they want it. And it's going to also allow them to rest at night when they need sleep. And if a person's vitamin D levels are low, 
it can start symptomizing in all sorts of things like physical pain, exhaustion, depression. There's a lot of overlap between exhaustion and depression. I know that myself today, I just was exhausted, exhausted all day long. And yes, I can take a vitamin D supplement. I have not taken mine today. Uh, and that's going to that's gonna help. But there's all sorts of things that the sun on the skin, uh, it'll give more of a more of an enhanced vitamin D production in the body than just taking a pill of it. The pill can help. And scientists have recently discovered, uh, and this is pretty broad sweeping everywhere in the world, especially northern hemispheres, that um, almost everybody in the world, even in parts of the world that have more sun exposure, this is increasing, is that people's vitamin D production is getting less and less and less. And so I can almost say that most people, of course there's some outliers, but most people are vitamin D deficient. Most people are vitamin D deficient. And... The fact that most people are vitamin D deficient, the quick way to say this is that vitamin D deficiency is linked to something like 83%. There was a huge broad sweeping study of blood samples of people all around the world recently. Um, and something like 83 or 86% of the people in the world had glyphosate in their blood, which is the chemical that's in Roundup. And I'm not going to go into the long details of it because I'd have to look up and have notes and I'm just <clears throat> shooting from the cuff right now, shooting from the hip. Uh, having glyphosate in the blood, glyphosate comes from that chemical that's in Roundup. It's heavily used on crops, agriculture, all around the world. And when you have even a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of glyphosate in your blood, your vitamin D production, which is a hormone, is now being interfered with. The, the glyphosate interferes with that vitamin D production. And that, that interference really messes with the way that your body synthesizes, alchemizes certain foods you eat that have to be alchemized and synthesized and and transitioned through enzymes and and acids and your your body, let's say you drink alcohol. When your alcohol is processed by your kidneys and your liver, the the interference that the glyphosate does to the vitamin D causes your kidneys and liver to no longer be able to uh, convert that alcohol into fuel. Instead, it's converting it into something more toxic. And it's the same thing with things like garlic. 
things that are high in sulfur, like garlic and onion. Um, so part of the that quote, that really humble quote and the story about the manger, I... I want to say that the the formula for for not suffering, the formula to have enhanced mood, more energy, a lot of the formula I want to say just to maybe ask you, and I'm not saying this is factually true for you. It might be more complicated for you. But I think that I generally see a pattern in people who are suffering who are doing too much uh, and who are unwilling to eliminate certain things. It's, there's sort of a call in the Christmas story to, to be more humble and live, live um, in a less is more way. The whole story of Jesus is, is reduced down to something so simple. It's just a small, humble birth, uh, a few friends, even the, even Jesus' disciples, 12 disciples. It's not like millions of disciples, 12 disciples. It's, it's not like Jesus was a rock star. He had 12 disciples. And even when Jesus was executed, when he was a man, by the church and the government when the when the churches and the governments and the people murdered Jesus uh, even in that even even at the grandest moment you know throughout his whole life even at the end in his in his death it still was humble and some of the less is more has to do with these simple things in previous videos i try to encourage people to especially if they're suffering with things like depression, chronic pain, especially if it's recurring depression and recurring chronic pain, if it's anxiety. I do plenty of podcasts about this, but um, I find a pattern in people who chronically suffer that they're unwilling to stop eating garlic. And add to that alcohol. And garlic and alcohol, regarding what I was saying about the glyphosate and the vitamin D and how the glyphosate interferes with the vitamin D, which is really produced from, from yourself. The glyphosate interferes with that production. That interference then makes it impossible for your kidneys and liver to alchemize and synthesize and transform the sulfur that's in garlic or the alcohol when you're drinking, you know, beer or wine. Um, these are, these are just, they're sort of like ex extemporaneous things. And I think <clears throat> oftentimes in this suffering part of this dark, season where the days are shorter. In a lot of ways, I think it's a call to 
examine one's life and maybe shed some of the things that could be shed uh, to experience more quiet, more darkness, less alcohol. In fact, no alcohol, um, no garlic. And now I don't want to just sound like a Grinch, you know. There's there's a season, uh, especially <clears throat> if you're not suffering. Um, you know, a glass of alcohol or a meal of garlic to someone who's in a really good, balanced place where they don't have a lot of stress in their life and they're, they have friends and family and a good career and they're financially doing well and they have love life. And if you're doing well and there's not a lot of stressors, it's different. But if you're suffering and struggling, uh, sometimes it's just the little things to stop doing. People seem to always seek, what do I need to do? And I think the biggest breakthrough is instead of saying, what do I need to do? Flip the script and say, what do I need to stop doing? And I think the Christmas story is all about that. And so too is that little nativity scene calendar that I opened up from Psalm 131, which once again was, My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. My encouragement for myself is to, one, I'm going to go take some vitamin D, three, And I'm going to accept more of this darkness and more of this quietness and realize that I'm a weaned child, that the divine is more present than ever now. We're going to be all right. The divine is more present than ever now, and we're going to be all right. One of the last things I just want to say that I think is so beautiful about the Christmas story where I do think it's more of a long philosophical conversation about how the Christmas story is this birth of East meets West spiritualism is that just the commonness and the, the, the lowliness and commonness. Jesus was born as just a person just like you or me and he goes through these trials and tribulations as just a poor commoner. And there's there's a message in there uh, about that humility and humbleness, about that less is more approach to things. And, and through that, there's some kind of grand strength and grand miracle through through being someone who brings peace and goodwill wherever they go. There's some kind of miraculous 
thing where if a person is peaceful, humble, and offers goodwill to others, there's miracles. There's miracles that happen from that. And on a on a a very tangible, realistic, you know, I'm talking about sort of how Old Testament God is this abstraction. And so because the world was getting so corrupted and evil, God had to send a fleshly, real, tangible, something people could see and touch and listen to that wasn't abstract. I need to get a drink of water. Pardon me for one second, my throat is running dry. <clears throat> and so in the real, the real tangible things, I just want, want to just remind that all of us have glyphosate in our blood. There's a very small percentage of us who do not because it's in our air, our water, our food. And that glyphosate's interfering with our ability to process garlic and alcohol. And if you're having, say, allergies, if you drink alcohol and you feel like you're slightly allergic to it, that's probably a symptom that the body is having a hard time And if alcohol is something you're sensitive to, then definitely stop eating garlic because that garlic can cause mental fog, physical pain, agitation, anxiety, depression. And that's just a huge encouragement to my friends out there that are chronically suffering. You know, there's a level of suffering that's understandable. But if it's chronic and if it's often and if it's really frustrating, I just... I have to I have to suggest that tangible fleshly real it's not an abstract thing it's just tangible and real look at the packaging of the food you buy and also realize that if you're eating at restaurants it always has garlic in it it's almost impossible to go out and eat industrialized food without garlic in it so it might mean you have to stay home in your little uh, manger, your stable with the donkeys and the sheep and um, cook your own humble little meal to avoid garlic. But if you're having pain and depression, give it a go for a while. If you have inflammation, give up garlic. And that inflammation and that pain, it has to do with this this thing we're in <clears throat> with this glyphosate in our water and our air. And it's really hard to get that glyphosate out of our blood because The thing about it is, is all it takes is the tiniest, tiniest amount of glyphosate in your blood, in your body, to inhibit that vitamin D production. And so then your kidneys and liver are not able to alchemize certain foods. But the biggest problem, it's the most overlooked problem all over the globe right now is garlic because a hundred years ago we didn't have to worry about glyphosate. So a lot of our foods, we're still putting garlic in all this food, but it's it's got too much sulfur in it and it's got a specific type of sulfur 
that without that high level of vitamin D, which we used to have, it's just impossible to digest it properly. And I can go on and on about why there's other things about garlic that are really hard on the body. And this one isn't for folks out there that are just running on on excellent health. This is for the ones where they're having mental fog, exhaustion, body pain, inflammation. The tangible fleshly thing to do is to just stop eating garlic. Give it a go. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with someone. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out and contact me, email me at three things at Proton Mail. That is T H R E E T H I N G S at Proton Mail, or else go to Patreon and look for Cracked Liberty at Patreon. Cracked Liberty. It's sort of like the Cracked Liberty Bell, just without the bell. Cracked Liberty at Patreon.